All right. Welcome to another Friday, this time Friday morning, I guess. Normally do do this in the afternoon. Right. But uh, welcome yeah. to another Talking Cloud. That was like get, being trapped in an elevator for about a minute and a it half. It was. I felt uh, locked in, claustrophobic. Yeah. yeah. Um, it does seem yeah, to grow out. on you, though. Like uh, I'm like, I kind of like that exactly. music now. Yeah. <laughs> Too bad it's like a 15-second loop that you listen to over and over. Yeah. All right. So, uh, crazy long weekend in the States. Uh, I'm out of here this afternoon. You're already gallivanting around North America. So let's just jump right in this so people can get back to more important things. Sounds good. And I guess also I've been noticing my, my FOMO is going up now as I start to see, I'm trying to, I'm trying to zoom at the same time as talking. I can't do it. There we go. Um, I'm noticing more and more people talking about having fun on planes at this point trying to get, you know, especially uh, European folks it. trying to get to Vegas. So it sounds like, uh, the, the yearly migration to Vegas has, has started. It's underway. It's underway. Yeah. yeah. And I guess I saw too, somebody posted that. So F1 was in Vegas last week oh, yeah. Yeah. and, and somebody posted a, I don't, you, know, you never know, right? But they were saying that it could take up to eight weeks to remove everything that they put up for the oh F1 race. So can you imagine now, like it's already a bit of a nightmare to get around the strip to the different places. And now maybe you've got to get around all sorts of additional barricades and stuff. So that's yeah. going to be an utter disaster. Yeah. And you know what? In reinvent, true reinvent fashion, it is... Oh, it stopped. It's snowing. It was snowing here earlier this morning. Every yeah. time I've gone to reInvent, I think I've been to reInvent five or six times, I think. And every single time, this is what happens. You 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 go to bed like so normally like would fly mostly Monday, right? Monday morning. Yeah. Um go to bed Sunday night, you're ready to go, weather's nice, you wake up in the morning, snow on the ground. Right. So yeah, I think every year we've gone to, to Vegas for this thing. It's it's delayed. So I'm actually kind of outside of the bit of FOMO. Uh, I'm I'm all right with not having to deal with airports and probably if it if it's like every other reinvent, crappy weather Flight to try to yeah, yeah to to travel in. So I'm hoping uh, we just get the easy part and watch the videos remotely. Fingers crossed. And it looks like they're releasing. Uh, just all of the good news items yeah lead up to reinvent, yeah so. i would i was talking to somebody just yesterday and you know it's always fun to kind of speculate you know because i guess you know we need a hobby or something but uh right. it's always fun to speculate on what's going to happen and maybe we talked about this last week i, I kind of think this is just going to be a, a week-long this is all the great ai stuff it does feel like that yeah I, I would suspect yeah. so that's a nice segue into this so this is the first thing and i put this first because number one i I think it's really cool but i actually used this last week in in the live stream right so code whisperer is amazon's sort of um we talked about it before right when they when code whisperer went ga so it's like you know your programming uh companion and you can ask it questions and you know english blah 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 and it spits out code for you it's really cool so they now have a code whisperer for command line in preview, but it is pretty slick. So is it good? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll give you I'll give you the story and then I'll give you a little bit of background on this one. Great. Uh, Tuesday nights we do the little live 
generally cloud formation, right? On Twitch. And I wanted to, basically I wanted to be able to, I was trying to do something cross region and I wanted to be able to take, I needed to get the ID of a file system, EFS okay. from region B. And I needed to give that to something in region A. So sure. I'm like, okay, I can't use outputs because those are, you know, cloud formation outputs. Those are uh, regionally specific, Regional, right? Yeah. So how do I do it? And I'm like, I'm going to use a stage variable. Ah, so the first okay. thing is I'm like, okay, I've done stage variables in the past. What, like, how the hell do I do this? I can't remember, of course, right? So what I did was in PyCharm, I pulled up the terminal window and I typed yeah. CW AI, how do I create a stage variable in uh, GitLab CI, enter. Blah, and it gave me the syntax. So I'm like, perfect, that's great. And then I knew the command I wanted to run. Basically I needed a, uh, I wanted to run a CloudFormation CLI command to get the logical ID, uh, not the logical right. ID, sorry, the physical ID of the resource. So I, this. yeah, I, I generally knew how to write that as well, but I, I think I looked it up in the documentation first. So I just went over to the CLI page, found the stuff and bloop, away we went, right? And, and it worked. But what I did next was, I think, I can't remember now. Isn't it amazing how quickly you forget? I, th I think <laughs> I had the syntax correct, but it was not giving me the output. So I asked it to help me with the correct uh, okay. formatting of, of the, um, oh, I know what it was. I needed to run a query operation because I, didn't yeah. want everything. I just needed the one field. So I couldn't remember okay, how the query that. operation works. I asked Code Whisper CLI for an example. It gave it to me. I did that. And then finally, it was returning the value in double quotes, which isn't yeah. great for the actual commands that I wanted to run. So then it was awesome. I'm like, oh, how do I get rid of the double quotes? And they're like, just add dash dash output text. And I'm like, oh, all of these things, <laughs> you, you know, as soon as it spits the answer to you, you're like, well, of course, that's oh, yeah. how you would do it, right? <laughs> I knew I knew that, but it's like not going to the documentation. We actually started, I actually started to try to Google it. And then all of a sudden in my head, I'm like, wait, I installed this. So why don't we try it? And sure. uh, way, it, it was really slick. It did exactly what I wanted. Gave me the one line. Um, you can refine your, your answers and stuff by just giving it, you know, you can ask another question and kind of build on top of it. So it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. That's awesome. So, yeah. Google's yeah. in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I would I would think so, right? Like and and I think the first time we talked about Code Whisper, we also talked about the other website, right? Where most people yeah. end up. Uh, I would have to assume that now that all these tools have effectively scraped all of their data, <laughs> why go there anymore? Um yeah, so yeah. it'll be interesting. The other the other thing that was interesting in here was this little piece right here. So code whisperer adds type ahead code completions and inline documentation, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Really cool. So code whisperer CLI, and I'm hoping yeah. I'm getting this correct. It was actually a purchase that Amazon made not too long ago. If you remember maybe like six months ago, um, I've been using on, on my laptop for a long time, a little tool called fig. Oh, and right. Yeah, yeah. Remember that? So, Fig has become Code Whisperer for CLI. And some of the features that existed in, in, in the original Fig 
haven't made it at this point into the Code Whisperer CLI option or uh, mm -hmm. uh, application. Like in in the original Fig, you could do you could make your own dot files. You could share those dot files with other team members. It was really cool. I would suspect that some of that stuff will come back over time. But obviously, so. right now it's all about these types of uh, coding companion tools and stuff. So I thought this was really cool and was able to use it uh, instantly. Tied it into Identity Center. So when I logged in, away we went. Right, it was really neat. That's awesome. Yeah. Can you just set that up in? Uh one of our accounts and, and tied it to your CLI basically. Yeah. Yeah. That that's it. And you're done. Right. That's great. Mm -hmm. Now, since it's in preview, I, I wonder, I wonder how they'll price it when it comes out of preview. Yeah. Right. Because we already pay for code whisperer. We do the, I don't know, 19 bucks a user per month. Cause we want, I wanted okay. to tie it to identity center. So it'll be interesting to see is code whisperer CLI included in that cost or is there sort of additional, fees i don't know i would think so yeah, it must be right like yeah. github is using the same model like they're charging per user yeah so i don't know if they have a cli tool but yeah this is really i was really impressed with this so I, i'm i'm hoping this week uh in the stream we're gonna change gears a little bit and uh do a bunch of code whisperer work just to see how it can create some simple scripts and stuff so i'm hoping we can use the cli tool as we do that we'll figure it out as we go Nice. It could definitely yeah. save some cycles on uh, just quick, yeah, quick scripting. You know, quick and easy stuff, right? The next thing is, if I can, why why can't I zoom? Let's try this again. There we go. Takes a couple times. So, CloudFormation simplifies resource import with a new parameter for a change set. Um, oh, that's good. Yeah, I, I know we really we use change sets all the time. Uh, yeah. pretty much everything we Absolutely. do, right? Uh, it's a great yeah. way to, well, it says it right here in the second paragraph, change sets allow you to preview the actions that CloudFormation will take before actually doing it. So obviously something that's super important. I want to know if the change I'm making in CloudFormation or the, the change I want to make, the update I want to make in CloudFormation is going to nuke that resource before it actually does it, right? It's probably <laughs> right. A, a good thing to, to know about. So those are obviously super important, but now there's a new parameter that goes along with that to help you import those existing resources. Um, mm. Haven't tried it. I don't know, have you ever used the import feature of CloudFormation? Yeah, well, I've used it fairly often for, uh kind of partition like siloed applications that need to be deployed together right yeah, yeah so yeah we've definitely used that before okay this is yeah i don't know I, I thought again just these you know what i noticed was remember we talked about sort of the pre-reinvent last week where we just had like 40 updates on the one day what <laughs> i noticed this week is obviously the you know the number of updates slowed as they got closer to reInvent. But a lot of the things that came out were kind of, maybe we mentioned this in the last call too, right? It was just their quality of life. And this is an, another yeah. example of just making something that probably a lot of people do all the time, a little easier to do, um, right? So- Oh, I'm reading this though, and you need to build a second document to enable to get this working. So. Yeah, there. It's. I don't think it's perfect, but I bet yeah. you, if you found yourself in a situation where you're having to do all these types yeah. of imports, this would still streamline it, right? If you'd, you'd rather be able. To, I mean, the fun, having the functionality is good. 
Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, and then you can decide whether or not it makes sense for what you're trying to do. Yeah. We'll have to yeah. try it out and see whether the actual implementation makes sense. Yeah. But... Yeah. The last paragraph or the last sentence in the second paragraph there reduces yep. manual steps and allows you to use CI CD actions in scenarios where you only want to import resources with custom names. Like, yeah, maybe, right? Be interesting to see if they'll, they'll talk about this a little more next week. I think I'm misreading this. Yeah, what are you thinking? Uh, this can delay deployments. This document allows you to import. However, this creation document requires. Uh, okay, so they're getting. So there was a, the ability to import those documents before. Yeah. And this they're is, adding an API to do it now. Yeah, an API. That's, this has existed for a okay. long time. Like I think, like years ago, this was called. Oh man, it actually had a name, and you you if you wanted to import existing resources into CloudFormation, what you had to do was you would deploy an EC2 instance, install this yeah. little piece of software on it and run that and it would go out and gather everything up. And then they kind of got rid of that and just pulled it directly into the console. And now it looks like they're adding a, an API layer to it so you could do it programmatically rather than I think still having to do a couple things in the console, if I understand this prior to this release. So. Yeah, I totally misread that. No complaints. Yeah, <laughs> Changing I, that to an API, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> API, good. Right. And here's the next one. One day I'll figure out how to do this. There we go. And you and I were just talking about this, right? Because yes. a customer of ours was saying, I need a report of all of our uh, public-facing IP addresses and timely that this may actually make it a little easier versus having to write a script to do it. So uh, yeah. IP address manager, VPC IP address manager, IPAM's been around for a while. Uh, I've used it. We actually did a demo of this when it first came out. Uh, there's a oh, demo yeah. on uh, the YouTube channel about this one. And it's pretty neat. It I know you have to be really careful because it can get quite expensive depending on the number, if I'm remembering the pricing model, depending on the number of IPs that are managed by uh, the okay. IPAM, it can get expensive. But what I liked about this was free tier for IPAM that helps you get started and also helps with those public IPs, understanding what public okay. IPs you're using across everything by the looks of it. So that's, that's going to be really um, handy because when, is it February of next year that... Amazon's yeah, going to start charging. That big, that big IP address change yeah. and uh, charging for every public IP, right? So I'm sure everyone's yeah. seen that in their health console notifications and emails. Yeah. My uh, so. my inbox is littered with like <laughs> endless updates from it, for, uh, like across every single account, right? So yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Anyways, I, I know this is coming because they won't let me forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So this will be this will be kind of good. So it says here in the free tier, you can use the public IP address planning features within the account and the region where you've created it. Okay. Um, now that's interesting. I when I first saw this, it says here within the account and region. Right. So it's mm. regional. It's a regional service. It looks like. Yeah. Um, okay. So that might make it a little trickier for the use case we need. Uh, but yeah. But see here. So maybe what you can do is you get single account coverage in the free tier. And then you uh, can go to uh, advanced tier and then get, it says here, 
planning across two or more accounts or regions. So again, this sure. is a, another good example of making sure you understand the pricing model before you turn something on. Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. I really liked the IPAM tool um, when when we first demoed it when it when it came out. Mm-hmm. You know, I, one of the things that a lot of people struggle with is uh, overlapping cider ranges, those kinds of yeah. things, right? And this tool gave you a nice visual representation of all the ranges that you're using. And if I recall, you could also pull in like on-prem stuff. So you had a complete picture in one one spot. Uh, But again, then the cost of it was, I think scared a couple people uh, away from it because it it could get pretty costly. So so there's that one. Okay, definitely worth taking a look at at least. Yeah, definitely. Well, especially because of the the changes that are coming up, right? So if you just had a single AWS account, it looks like you could use that free of charge to get a good picture of all of the public IPs that you have. At least hopefully get a list of them or or whatnot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Without having to write something custom, which is always nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you decide to use it, let me know how it goes because I'd like to... You know, was it able to do what you wanted, or did you end up having to write a script to pull all all the info that you wanted? Yeah, it'll do. Yeah. So here's another really good one. So mount point for S3. This is uh, a, a little piece of software that Amazon released a while ago now that allows you to uh, basically access your S3 object storage from EC2 instances like a file system. Okay. Pretty cool. Um, and, and these tools have been around for a long time, uh, not an Amazon tool, but there's been lots of like open source tools that allow you to do this, um, oh, sure. for, forever. Right. And it's, it's pretty intriguing because if you look at the cost of EBS versus the cost of S3, you're like, yeah, well, well, why would I pay 10 cents per gig per month when I can pay two cents per gig per month? The problem is, and, and when I teach AWS yeah. classes, Every architecting class that I've ever taught, somebody will say, but I could I could use this tool to do that. And my response is, you yeah. could absolutely do this, do it. But here's what's going to happen. It's going to work yeah. perfectly fine until uh, the day before you go on vacation. And then it'll just mysteriously stop for no apparent reason and you won't know why <laughs> the hell it doesn't work. And I'm, I'm speaking right. from experience because we used some of those open source tools a long time ago and they're slick. They do exactly what what they say they'll do but when it stops working, it's it's a little weird. So this mount point for S3 allows you to to do that with an Amazon supported tool, which I think is, you know, if, if you've got support in place and you have a problem, you can always go to Amazon and ask about it, right? So uh, I true. thought that was kind of interesting. And now, like it says here, you can cache data on the EC2 instance to reduce the traffic going between your EC2 instance and the S3 bucket, which would then reduce that's your costs, good. right? That's that's good, because I was just thinking the other problem with that S3 as a drive situation is if you're transferring a lot of data, you're doing a lot of I.O., yeah. that can rack up costs pretty quick, too, pretty right? quickly, so right? Yeah. Depending on your setup, if you're especially if you're going out to the internet to do it, that's uh, yeah. that would get extensive pretty quick. Yeah. So if you don't have an endpoint set up, yeah. The way that I always think about it is like if you've got a really busy S3 bucket that's yeah. got a lot of data in it with a lot of clients accessing it, you got to think about the data transfer 
uh, obviously the data storage, but then also you got to kind of get an idea of the number of API calls because you're going to incur a, car, uh, a fee for those too. So now being able to cache that data in instance store, instance memory, or on the volume is really cool. It's useful. Yeah. 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 Right. And you can see exactly here. Here's the benefit improves both the cost and the performance of your application. Seems like sure. a seems like a no brainer if you wanted to do this or if you're already using some sort of tool to yeah. access S3 like a file system. Yeah, especially if you had an application that was tolerant to slightly longer I/O times. Yeah, it might be worth it. Yeah, otherwise well, you'd have to use an IOPS drive. But yeah, and see what they say here. You can complete your like as an example. You complete your machine learning training jobs faster by vo avoiding those redundant yeah. requests. So there's a great example of. All of your data sits over here. Your training sits over on the compute. Oh, that's a big one. Yeah, I yeah, mean, big, big for a lot of people, that's right? Huge. Yeah, especially yeah, all of those open source uh, machine learning frameworks. When you deploy them to AWS, usually they are reading and writing from the S3 bucket. S3 right? bucket. So, yeah, yeah. So you got. I think I saw. Uh, oh, go ahead. I think I saw a PyTorch news item as well that they sped up access, and I think it's probably related now. Probably, yeah. That, so. Yeah. Well, you think about, like you said, you've, you've got the compute and then all of your storage somewhere else. You've got the latency yeah. there. And if, like you said, if it's sensitive to latency, that's going to be an issue. But then also just that increased activity going back and forth, that just the way it might drive some of your costs up. Yeah. Yeah. And I like this too. I, I, I'm a fan of open source, but it's also nice to know that if you've got a support contract in place and you are using the mount point for Amazon S3, you've got access to, well, the folks who build and maintain support. it, right? So that's always <laughs> nice. Right. Yeah. Open open your support ticket. Um, oh, I don't, why did I, I don't know why I put this in here. Maybe I was doing some reading and blip. I think this is just a, a link to the documentation. Okay. Yeah. And here's another interesting update and yeah, I, know... I think i was gonna i was gonna add this one to the list but i saw you already had it so. yeah i cannot get this to zoom anymore so that's all we got um i know last week well this is november 20 this is just three days ago so earlier in the week when this came out i know a lot of people were really excited about it 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 was mm, like this is big yeah this is big right so being able to use key value store in those edge locations as part of your CloudFront distribution uh, yeah. is obviously important for a lot of reasons, right? Just getting that data close to the customer and not having to come back to to something else, right? Uh, in the in the core of your infrastructure. So I thought this was uh, interesting. What do you, what do you think about this? This is this is interesting, and it seems like it's AWS's uh, answer in a way to Vercel, maybe mm. because they deploy those databases at the edge, right? Um, okay, so. It, kind of trying to accomplish the same thing it seems like okay yeah i didn't so, know that that's yeah. how they did it so yeah that would make sense then is just a response to something that somebody else already has yeah, yeah. so yeah it, this is going to be i'm sure this will get a ton of use yeah. people migrate over this pretty quickly i would think yeah, yeah. so essentially you've got an in-memory key value store that you can use yeah. from within your cloud front functions that's hard to say fast yeah yeah right 
So it'd be, I wonder if they'll like, like, I know you can still do, what do they call it? Lambda at the edge too. So in your cloud yep. distribution, you've got a couple different options there. I wonder if over time that'll well, be, both, right? yeah. Like, could, will it support yeah. both? Like I'm going on based on this because they specifically mentioned the, just the cloud front function piece. Mm. Maybe that's all it is, is possible to tie it to right now. I don't know. I was trying to see if it's yeah. got anything else in here. Like if you're running Lambda at Edge yeah. and you need access to info in, in a Dynamo table or DB, then I think it would make sense to replicate that out yeah. to the Edge if you need that like really snappy performance. Yeah, so yeah. That's yeah, why make the, why make, well, because we were just talking about latency, right? Why yeah. deal with the latency of going from, from something on the Edge all the way back to your DynamoDB table that's sitting in a region somewhere, right? right. And instead of just having it right in the distribution itself. Pretty yeah, very cool stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this again, like these are the types of things, right? Like they're they're not like these huge, groundbreaking, you know. Like remember last week, what was it? Party Rock. Everybody was mm -hmm. kind of like, oh. And I meant to I meant to share a couple links. Maybe we'll do this after oh, the yeah. event. I've I've noticed people making some pretty neat applications. Like I saw somebody in in Party Rock creating uh, a solution where you could. You know, in plain English, ask it to create a policy and it would spit out a policy oh, yeah. doc for you. So people are doing a lot of stuff. Maybe after reInvent, we'll, we'll gather up a couple of those and uh, add them to the, the chat list one day. Sure. Yeah. yeah, we should. Yeah. But yeah, like I said, that's kind of the, a big thing versus this kind of stuff. A lot of these ones today are just kind of, they feel, they don't feel like they're insane, but they're just kind of, nice to have and make your life a little easier right yeah 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 i'm sure the insane ones will come out next week oh yeah so when's the first keynote the first keynote would be tuesday morning right yeah i guess so yeah so sunday and monday usually end up being travel days for most people and then yeah i think it would be what tuesday wednesday thursday would be all the keynotes yeah yeah that sounds right yeah uh, and this, I've stumbled across this one, uh, came out a couple days ago, which is again, timely because I'm setting up a, a new environment for a customer and S3 access logging supports date-based partitioning now. So, uh, okay. that is great for the reasons they mention in here. Uh, a lot of times what we'll do is once we have that S3 access logging set up, it's kind of like, okay, now what do we do? A lot of times people right. will use... Athena to query those logs. And now because you've got this uh, built-in date-based partitioning, you can improve the performance and reduce the costs of querying those logs, yep. right? Makes the squares much more efficient. Yeah, right. So I, I just, uh, I'm like, oh, I got to look at this a little more just to make sure that uh, what we're doing in the new account setup uh, is I'm not quite sure if it's something you have to turn on or if it's just there. Oh, okay. So I've got a little That's bit of reading to do this afternoon because I'm right in the midst of doing this. And when I, when I came across it, I'm like, oh, I better just double check this to make sure there's not something extra gotcha. line or something I got to add. Right. Right. Yeah. So that's a pretty yeah, that's basic good. one. Not much you can really say about that. It's just nice to have. Right. Yep. Oh, here's another one that's just nice to have. <laughs> uh, I I know a few folks that we work with have insane ways to track 
all the users that uh, have access to Identity Center and the permissions oh, yeah. that they have across different accounts and stuff. And it's like, uh, you know, it's it's like a, a dark art to try to figure out how this crazy spreadsheet works on who has what and yeah. maintaining it. So this is, as we mentioned already, just having more APIs is always nice. So now you can use uh, APIs to help you understand who has access to which AWS accounts and applications as well that you've tied to uh, Identity Center. So I thought that was pretty neat. That's good. Yeah. I uh, I haven't used this yet. I, I wanted to see if I could just quickly before this, I don't know where this week has gone. I was like, ooh, I could just write a couple cool. little, yeah, write a couple little APIs in, in our account just to see what this does. Cause you know, it's, yeah. Don't have to worry about breaking too much there, but uh, yeah, just didn't happen. So it'd be interesting to kind of see how we could work this into some of the customer deployments and even our own environments to help better understand who has access to what. Just write, write it into the SSO deploy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, just yeah, just put it in as a bunch of maybe, you know, does it does it work right in the main deploys or do you just have a bunch of sort of, for lack of a better like word, a check yeah, like script a reporting or script or something that you run every Friday or last day of every month or whatever you decide to do to pull all this info for you. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And and right here, I, I like this because it, it made me think of one particular situation. Previously, you had to manually map user and group information with their access details to build a complete view of blah, blah, blah. Nightmare. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the moment you don't update it one time, the whole, it's just like a house of cards, right? The whole thing just falls yeah. apart. So uh, this, I think, will also be really nice just to, well, yeah, just make your life a little easier, hopefully. Yeah. And then finally, I thought this was interesting. So you now have in your EC2 security groups uh, support for uh, idle timeouts. And yeah, so you can see here what they're saying is, where was it? Right in the security group. Yeah, so before cool. this feature, I guess they had, it's somewhere in here, now I can't find it. Uh, where is it? Oh, right here. Prior today, all idle connections in TCP and UDP states were tracked for a predefined default period or yeah. until they were closed. So Amazon just did that, right? And now, it, yeah. yeah, it's just a, a one size fits all. So now it seems that with this update in your security groups, you as a customer are able to configure those timeouts to manage your connections. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Have a look at these right? pictures. <laughs> Thanks, Alexa. <laughs> that wasn't even, I'm not going to say the, that word because I do have a couple here. That wasn't even. Oh, no, sorry. What was that? That what was, was that? that was my phone, which what? that was my phone, which I have turned upside down, which is supposed to be do not disturb mode. That was my phone. And what did it pull up? What is, what is that? Oh, that's so weird. <laughs> so it pulled up pictures of load balancing, AWS load balancing. What did we just say? Okay. that? We were talking about security groups so, and timeouts, so I guess that's relevant. That's, so, that's, <laughs> it's kind of creepy that when you put awesome. your phone upside down in do not disturb mode, it's somehow, it made it into the stream today. Weird. Okay, weird. At first I thought that was, uh, I have a, a Google Home sitting here too that 
yeah just it must feel neglected it never gets used so it just sits <laughs> and collects dust i thought at first because the, the the voice right i'm like oh i that's the yeah. google voice and i'm like wait that didn't light up it was my phone okay well yeah interesting somebody's always listening yeah 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 so i just thought this was cool just to give you the ability to uh, manage it manage these timeouts mm -hmm. for your specific use case i would suspect that you would probably only use these in in when you're dealing with massive scale sort of situations right yeah because if those connections stay open for very long periods of time, then you could just exhaust the the ability yeah, to open new connections, right? So, yeah, I think uh, you need a specific, very specific use case for this, but yeah, must be yeah. worth it to build. So, well, like Amazon says, right? They don't they don't uh, release features unless customers are asking for it. So, I would suspect that this must be something that probably larger implementations want that control to have yeah. well better control over exactly how this is set up and and working so yeah pretty pretty interesting i don't know if we'll run into it much in the type of stuff we do but yeah. you never know i guess yeah. we'll see mm -hmm. see if it comes up that's <laughs> that's all i've got that's my uh that's my list of interesting things that i ran into awesome yeah well, let's call it there. Enjoy the long weekend and uh, eat lots of turkey. And uh, oh, we'll, yeah. we'll chat on Monday. Sounds good. All right. Oh, All look, right. I forgot. I've got my uh, fingerless gloves, gloves on today because I'm. Uh, it goes with the story I told at the beginning. It's it's cold and it's cold in my office. So, yeah, I've got uh, it makes it very interesting to type. It's strange. But anyways. <laughs> Bye for now. Hear your wrist all up. Yeah, That's yeah, it. exactly. Bye for now. <laughs>